Good evening. Welcome to Nighttime. I'm Dave Wager, your host, and I'm here for the next half hour to encourage you to turn your mind towards to end your day in a calm way, to think about what is right and honorable and go to sleep thinking those things. I want to read Proverbs 3, verses 1 to 12 to you. It says this, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the firstfruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Once again, that was Proverbs 3, 1 to 12. Just focusing in on some of the truths of that chapter, which are simple to see. Talks to a young man saying, don't forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Because as we listen to God, we can maximize the time that we have in this planet, which is not our home. But if we maximize the time that we have here before he takes us home, then we'll maximize the years of life and peace that he intended us to have in the first place. We're encouraged to be those who love steadfastly, to trust in the Lord with all our heart, not on our own understanding because our own understanding is always going to be lacking. We're encouraged not to be wise in our own eyes. But the verse I want to get to is verse 9 that says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. I can understand why God wants us to give our first fruits. Because when you grow something, when you earn something, the first dollar, the first cucumber you grow. You have such a delight in using it. You got something that you've worked for and dreamed about. Yet God wants to remind us always that he's the giver of all good things. He's the one that supplies everything that we need. And we get to get back to him. God doesn't need, he doesn't need our resources. He doesn't need my help. He's still going to be God, and by the word of his mouth, he can take care of anything that needs to be taken care of, perhaps even by the thought of his mind or however that works. But I get the privilege of being a part of what God's doing. I get to honor God by showing that I trust him, by taking what would be something I would enjoy first and foremost and giving it to God. It's not a legalistic thing. It's not a a rule in that sense where if I don't do it, I'll get struck with lightning. But it's a privilege to be able to do that. 
often when we think of tithing or giving of our first fruits. We think that that's all that God really wants us to do. Yet God loves generosity. He's been generous in giving us everything that's good that we could enjoy. He loves it when we're generous. God will never run out of resources. He never has and he never will. And those of us who are trying to find satisfaction in the resources of this life, we will find that they don't give satisfaction. The resources of life were given to us so that we could honor the Lord with them. So the simple question is, how are we honoring the Lord with our resources? There are obviously other passages in the Bible that talk about the trouble that people run into when they begin to hoard their resources or decide that the resources they have are basically theirs to do what they want with, rather than everything being from the hand of God. I want to look in the book of Haggai, the very first chapter. It says this, In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shelethael, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehodadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm, and he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it, and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? declares the Lord of hosts because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought in the land, and in the hills, and on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast, and all their labors. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatel, and Joshua, the son of Jehodadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shelatel, governor of Judah, in the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people, and they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the twenty-fourth day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. Now, apart from me messing up a whole bunch of old-time names, this is a very important story to understand, and it's not just a story. You see, the P 
people of this day were totally focused in on themselves, taking care of themselves, and perhaps giving the leftovers to God's work. Do we really give leftovers to God? Why would we give Him the leftovers? He doesn't need anything from us in the first place. Why would we give Him leftovers? He could build anything He wants to build without our help. Do we understand that it is a privilege to be a part of what God's doing? It's a privilege to give to God's work. It's a privilege to even be considered to give because he doesn't need us to do anything. I know I've talked so often on nighttime about how precious it is to just be in the game. Whether it was football or hockey, I realized that I didn't need to play in order for that team to play. I didn't need to be on the ice or on the field for that team to win. And if I got hurt or I chose not to play, somebody else would step right up and step right in and do my job. If I don't give, that doesn't mean God's work won't be accomplished. It means I won't be a part of God's work being accomplished. I do wonder about the money thing at times. I wonder if God's will, which isn't always done on earth, may be hampered sometime because of people and their stinginess. Perhaps God looks at us and says, you want to be stingy? Go ahead. I'll be stingy with you and I'll show you what that's like. I really don't know. I have never read a verse that says, if you want to be stingy, I'll be stingy. But I do see in this book of Haggai, the principles coming down that basically say, your self-centeredness with your resources is wrong. And I don't need to give you the things in life that you're hoping for. In fact, he tells them that. Consider your ways. You've sown much but harvested little. Well, who's in charge of making sure that after you sow the seed that it grows? That's God. You think you're saving your money so that you can use it for buying more seed or being better farmers. And God says, really, I'm the one who blesses the farm. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat but never have enough. I'm the one that makes sure that the animals prosper and grow and that the the grain grows. You drink but never have your fill. You clothe yourself but no one is warm. You see, the thing you're missing is the actual blessing of God, the, the enjoyment of what he's given you. Those things control you and they were never meant to control you. God is the one that should control us, no matter what else happens in this life. The phrase in the book of Haggai, in this first chapter that keeps getting me, is consider your ways, consider your ways. Consider what's going on around you. Are my ways totally wrapped up in myself? Do I really believe that I need to take care of myself? Now, we have to understand that God expects us to be responsible with what he's given to us. He expects us to be responsible with our health, with our wealth, with our, with our influence. He expects us to be responsible. But God doesn't need us even to be responsible for him to accomplish his work. However, there's a dynamic there that's very interesting. In the Lord's Prayer, we're told to pray that God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what we understand is that God's will is not always done on earth. It is his will that nobody should perish, but people will perish. God gave people choice, and the choice is real, and the consequences are real. 
and I have the choice of what to do right now with the resources God's given me, with the talents, with the abilities, with the money that he's given me, with the influence he's given me, with the power and authority he's given me. I have a chance to be responsible with that. So I need to be. I need to consider my ways and understand that nothing is blessed without God. This is not stuff for me to hoard and keep to myself. It's to give away. I have found that the more I give away, the richer I am. If I'm trying to be out in the woods enjoying fishing, and if somebody comes by and I can teach them to fish and I can help them become a better fisherman than myself, my life will be richer. Yeah, but what if they take the fish that I might have caught? Oh, there's plenty of fish out there. I've told this to young people who've gone out in the woods many times because there's wild berries, blackberries, and blueberries, and raspberries, and cranberries that are out in the woods. Sometimes people are hesitant to share their location. I'm always telling young people, share. Give away. You didn't grow those berries. God did. Now, I have struggled with that in my life where I've thought, these are mine, until it became totally ridiculous as I looked at that crop of blackberries and realized I didn't plant any, I didn't water any, I didn't do anything, I'm just there picking them. Those were actually from the very hand of God. Why would I be self-centered with something that I didn't have anything to control with or do with? I need to consider my ways. Sometimes it's people in our lives that help us consider our ways. I know my wife has stepped in from time to time when I have been out berry picking and she wants to give some of those precious wild berries away. She sees my self-centered eyes and talks to me about it. See, she helps me consider my ways because I could be very self-centered. I could think about my work, my hand. Those are my berries. In reality, those were given to me by God. He's got a whole forest full of them. And he could open my eyes and I can see where more are. And I can share that with the multitudes. and, And he can open my eyes and see more. And he can multiply those. I need to consider my ways. Is it time for you, yourselves, to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. I guess as you unwind at the end of this day, I would encourage you to consider your ways. Are you a generous person? Or are you a hoarder? Do you keep things for yourself, wanting to make sure that nobody else can get them? You know, one day when we die, everything that we considered precious that we controlled will be in the hands of somebody else. I have a very loyal personality in life, and The house that we live in now is the house that we had built. Our first child was just a baby in that house. Our second daughter was born in a hospital, obviously, but while we lived in this house, 
We've ministered here at Silver Birch Ranch for over 40 years, and we've lived in that house. I can't imagine somebody else owning that house. Yet I know that's going to happen one day. I have to hold it loosely because it's really not mine, and one day everything that I have will be given to somebody else. I have certain things that I really enjoy in life. I have a John Deere Gator that I like. It's, it's getting up in the years, but I love it, and I enjoy riding it, and I'm so thankful that I got it. I'm thankful for the people who helped me buy it because it was in many ways a gift from a bunch of men. It reminds me of God's faithfulness to me. But I didn't really earn that John Deere Gator. It was given to me. Well, pretty much given to me. I need to understand that that was given to me. And that one day when I leave this planet, it'll be somebody else's. I have a, an old pickup truck. It's 20-plus years old. Yep. Guess one day it's going to be somebody else's. They're going to have to take care of it. But will they take care of it right? That's none of my business, actually. You see, the things that we have been entrusted with, we've been entrusted with for a while, but they're not permanent. And I'm going to wish that all of my resources were used correctly one day. And that I didn't use them just for this temporary life, but I used them to honor and glorify God. I would encourage you to ask yourself if you're using your resources to honor God and what that would look like if you are. I want to read another passage from the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verse 6 through 15. It says this, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, How shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me, but you say, How have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you, so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. But you say, how have we spoken against you? You have said it is vain to serve God. What is the profit of keeping his charge or walking as is mourning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant blessed. Evil doers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. It's interesting how many times that we try and make deals with God. God, I want to serve you, but I want something out of it. And if I don't get what I think I should get out of it, then maybe I shouldn't serve you. It's almost as if we have a plan and God's got to fit into it. When in reality, God's the one with the plan and we need to fit into it. 
There's no possible way that we can be more generous than God can supply. There's no way that we can be right if we keep focusing in ourselves and the temporary delights that come from the things that God has given to us in the first place. Remember, God doesn't need anything from us. He just wants us to participate with him. This question in the book of Malachi is how have we robbed you? Well, in your tithes and your contributions. You're holding back for some reason. Why would we ever hold back? When God puts something in our heart to give away, why would we hold it back? And when we give it away, we're not really giving it away, we're giving it to God. Every once in a while, people have wondered of the responsibility of donating money to maybe Silver Birch Ranch or something else. Some other nonprofit, some other church, or some other organization or mission or something. And they've tried to make it sound like I need to make sure that they use this responsibly, and I guess that's a good thing. But honestly, if you donate something to a ministry and they're not using it properly, then they've got to stand before God and give an account for that. Because you actually donated that to God to work in their ministry. If they're going to use it haphazardly or they're not going to think about it, they're going to use it improperly, well, then they're going to have to answer to God for that. Because really, it's all God's. When you give money away, you're not really giving money away. You're giving money to God and allowing people to know who he is through your generosity. When people give money to Silver Birch Ranch or Nicolay Bible Institute, I really praise God for it. Oh, I may thank the person, but it's really not the person that needs praise. It's God that needs praise for supplying for the needs of his place. And the people who did that, they got to participate in what God is doing. And that's where all the fun really is. To know that I get to participate. But the pressure of making sure it happens correctly isn't on my shoulders. That's God's. Money can be something that ruins your life. We've had people who have cheated Silver Birch Ranch, Nicolay Bible Institute, and the ministries that we represent in the past. We've never really gone after them and accused them of much. When I'm asked why, it's very simple. They cheated God. He knows. God will deal with it. You don't cheat God and you don't cheat his people and get away with it. God will deal with you. And he'll deal with me if I think that I'm using my money for my benefit or I'm using the money incorrectly. What I need to do is make sure my attitude is correct and I understand that all my resources are really God's. And I come to him and ask him how to use them properly. In Luke 14, 12 to 14, we're told this. He said also to a man who invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return, and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid 
at the resurrection of the just. Now Jesus said those words. That's just not anybody. That's Jesus talking. In life, it's so easy for us to do things because we benefit from them. People can give money because they benefit from it. A tax break. I'm not against a tax break, and I think if you give money and there's a tax break that goes with it, fine, but you don't give money because of the tax break. You don't give money because you get something out of it. You give money because the Spirit of God put it on your heart to be a part of something. The Bible tells us that we ought to take care of the widows and orphans in this world. And really, when you think about it, it's the widows and the orphans that can't pay you back. I think those of us that love God need to understand that all of our resources belong to Him. And we give as God lays on our heart to give, joyfully. Not of necessity. See, the Bible doesn't say we give just because there's a need. If somebody presents a need out there, we shouldn't be giving for that. We give because God puts it on our heart to give. We may not even know that a need exists. We may be meeting a need before it's ever expressed. Because God knows where the money needs to go or where the resource or talent or ability needs to go. As one who works at a ministry, I'm so thankful at times for those who come up and volunteer. They give of their time and their talents and their abilities. I'm thankful for those who give of their resources, their money. Because they're helping us keep the camp open and pay the electric bill and do the things that require money. But it's not always just the money. It's people who pray. It's people who give money. It's people who give of their time and their talent. It's people who recruit people for the Nicolay Bible Institute and Silver Birch Ranch in the summers. They're all a part of what's going on here. They all get to be a part of something. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. We see another passage in 1 John 3, verse 17, where it says, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Verse 18, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. In verse 19, by this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, This isn't talking about those who are trying to enable other people to stay sick. But there are some people that need to be empowered. There are those today that need help, that God would help, and you could participate with it. Oh, I don't know where it is. I don't know what influences God is going to put on your heart today to take care of. But I promise you that if the Spirit puts something on your heart, You should listen to it, and in the end, you'll be thankful you did. You'll never really be disappointed in being generous, as God puts it on your heart to be generous. In fact, if you could give all your knowledge, all your abilities, all your resources away before you die, and it's all used to glorify God, I think you'll be very glad you did. 
I don't know what your resources should go to. I don't know how much you go to your children, how much you go to other people in life or organizations. I just know that you won't take any of it with you. And that if you are enjoying resources today, it's because it's God who gives them to you. And therefore, being generous is the right thing to do. Because while we were still sinners, God sent Jesus to take care of it. And what did Jesus really get out of it? A beating? Crucifixion? He didn't need to come to be God, but he came because he loved us, and he gave because he's the only one that could pay the price for sin. So he freely gave that to us. And we ought to be freely giving people the resources that God has given us so that they could see who he is. I'm thankful to have spent my life in a place that depended upon God to supply the needs to stay open. I think God is the one that supplied the needs for every place to stay open. But sometimes we just don't acknowledge it. Perhaps tonight we can acknowledge it and ask God what else we need to be involved in to his honor and to his glory. Not because we're needed, but because he wants us to participate in his wonderful work. Well, I'm Dave Wager here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. Good night for now. <laughs>